You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Yeah, good uh good lead in there. So I want to start this out with a little a little theory that I have over the past year of just pain and anguish that I've gone through in tweaking my microphone settings. Um, and just they've just always been bad, no matter what I do and no matter how good they sound. So today we're recording on uh, on my computer, and everything sounds peachy. So uh, not saying it was uh, it's you, Hayden, but I think the I think there might be something to this. Well, I mean, I'm on a I'm on a very different device today. I'm on I'm on holiday, so uh, I'm using what I can scrape together. Uh, so I'm guessing my audio doesn't sound as peachy as yours, but um, you know, I think hopefully okay. <laughs> you got a you got a box and a shoelace, and you're just wired in. Um, so, like Hayden said, we are changing up the intro a bit after one year of Arsenal Pass. It's gonna be a little bit more casual, a little bit of a lead in. So it's gonna be episode 54 of Arsenal Pass. We are going to be doing last week's topic, actually. Fab 2.0 kind of dropped on us, sort of in the middle of the news. Um, but the original intention of last week's episode was to talk about the future of Limited in Flesh and Blood. Um, considering some information we've gotten, it looks like it's only going to be one more Limited set for the rest of the year. So we're just going to dive into what that set might look like, what we hope to get, um, and just sort of game design in general. We've seen the evolution of Flesh and Blood, I think, it's been pretty pretty interesting through, uh, well, I guess when we went Arcane Rising <laughs> to Monarch and then to Tales of Aria, all kind of vastly different sets. Um, but yeah, Hayden, without further ado, we still have our keynote, uh, our keynote section. So tell me about your, your week in Flesh and Blood, sir. Yeah, as I said before, just from the, the audio I'm on today, I'm on holiday at the moment. So I'm, I'm actually sitting at Editor Dave's desk. So Editor Dave, who does our videos, I'm, I'm staying at his house. I'm at his desk currently. Um, didn't provide me the microphone. How rude, right? No, 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 I didn't bring my my gigantic mic with me. So played a bit of Flesh and Blood this week, mostly been catching up with friends and family. Um, and then doing what testing I can. You know, we're in a weird spot before this next announcement in May where I think we can do a bit of testing and try and work on ideas of what the format may or may not be. Um, but mostly just trying to get to grips with, with other decks and with things that have been on. I guess maybe my radar is wanting to try and to and to work on uh, and now have a bit more time to do that before we get to before we get to that May second announcement. So, yeah, that's been my flesh and blood. I'm going to go and play an armory tonight. I believe it's Blitz. So, uh, someone's organized me a deck, and that's kind of it for this week. The uh, the local New Zealand armories. I heard those are basically callings. Is that true? I, I don't know. I'm in Christchurch, so it's very far away from Auckland, where. There's some some players, you know, who may people may make those claims. Uh, I'm not so sure. We'll find out, I guess. <laughs> awesome. I'll tell you what. I'm going to I'm going to an armory. Uh, Dan Dan Mackay will be there. Uh, I'm not sure who else will be there. So I'll let you know how I go. <laughs> All right. Cool. 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 I just wanted to try to verify that claim because I feel like I've heard it for about two years now. Uh, I can't. I can't help you with that. Sorry. <laughs> um. So yeah, my week in flesh and blood. I'm in the same testing situation Hayden is, but I feel like a lot of you listening to this are going to empathize with that weird, um, weird time, weird announcement we got uh, back on the second. 
And uh, yeah, what do you do? What do you test? How do you prepare for the upcoming pro tour? And how do you prepare to kind of sprint the last two weeks? It's quite the conundrum. Um, and I feel like we're doing good work. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it could be Starvo's band on the announcement, but it could also be Starro plus seven other cards are banned because they're trying to shake it up. Nobody knows, but we just try to stay on our feet, stay agile, and make sure we're prepared for everything. Well, Hayden, um, why don't you take me into the news? I feel like I was going to have some kind of cheeky intro there, but then I was just like smelling that command and cookout section already before we even got to the news. <laughs> Getting ahead. Oh, you're going to have a bit, of a, you're gonna have a bit of a surprise after the news, but no, not too much to talk about this week. Obviously, last week, really big week for Flesh and Blood with the announcement of Fab 2.0. If you do want to go and find out about you know more of that information, if you've been living under a rock, I guess, and haven't heard too much about Fab 2.0 already, the announcement is up on uh, fabtcg.com. Really some awesome, you know, quality of life changes and some things that are going to be happening uh, basically, you know, almost immediately with how things are working, even from the fact that I believe the the battle hardens that happened this weekend uh, were rated events. So, you know, already big changes happening with Fab 2.0. do want to give a massive shout out to uh, um, Yuanji Lee, who did win the, the Krakow Calling. Playing Viserai, Brendan, I believe you know uh, Yuanji Lee and have had interaction is he is he dallas local or he's local to new jersey so yeah the story behind this is that michael fang came down for the battle hardin here in dallas his flight got canceled so he stayed with me um until the following day's evening um so as a result we got to play a lot of games and i got to get to know michael really well which was nice um but we played a lot of Viscerai mirrors so (laughs) worked a little bit on the deck i guess and there was sort of a wild Kind of a wild card that I'd been running in my deck for the Battle Harden. Half because I thought it was good, half because I thought it was a meme. <laughs> and that's Tome of the Arc Knight. And uh, Yonji actually uh, gave me a shout out on his, his his winning interview about that about that card. Um, apparently, it did him it did him it did him pretty well at that tournament. <laughs> like he just totally rolled some people with it, which is basically what Tome of the Arc Knight does. It goes, okay, play this card and generate a rune chant or play this card and win the game on the spot because it's ridiculous um so big congratulations to him i really like the narrative actually behind this whole thing which is you know he went with michael fang they're really close friends and so what i what i said was one calling champion went over uh two came back (laughs) yeah i mean shows just just how strong a player uh yuanji is to you know go over there to this first calling some you know some really strong players in that top eight i think multiple national champions in that top eight from europe um very good first calling i didn't unfortunately just time zone and and the weekend i had was very busy didn't get to catch any of the coverage of the calling but um from what i understand you know obviously a long a lot of rounds rather than a long event because it's it's blitz so two days uh so some really interesting games and yeah i mean i guess the overall narrative was the of course the, the dominance of viscerai i think it was five viscerai in the in the top eight which to be honest i was <laughs> i wouldn't have been surprised to see six or seven so um yeah just also just massive shout outs to all those players that, that went over from around europe and abroad obviously we saw multiple players from the us go uh but i believe you know germany had a pretty good time i think a couple of german players in the top eight as well as uh, maybe one or two Dutch players as well. So yeah, great event all around by the sounds of it. The, the venue looked awesome, by the way. I hope <laughs> it we did. Get venues like that. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did. I was uh, I was really surprised at the lack of uh, Kasai's in top eight. What happened, dude? I thought it was the best deck in Blitz. <laughs> I definitely wasn't. I've been uh, I've been yeah I've been just dunking on Kasai. I think for a few weeks now. 
but hopefully hopefully these results at least back up some of the things I've been saying. Um, I did throw up a Viscerai deck tech on the Arsenal Pass YouTube channel. This is in lieu of um, my semifinals loss at the Battleheart recently here in Dallas. Um, just talked a little bit about my deck, um, Viscerai in general, mostly pointing to the point of like how you win the game with that deck because I think that's the hardest part about playing Viscerai is first you got to learn the, the lines, right? The lines are, can be a bit complicated with become the Arcanine and Rattlebones. Decision trees can get a bit dense. Um, but then after that, you just really need to understand your role. Um, and I think once that finally clicks, you'll be clapping a lot of cheeks on turn two to say the least um did also throw up a additional write-up to that on the arsenal pass patreon where i go into more depth in the, on the matches as well as like the armor and some card choices um so yeah check that out on the patreon if you're interested and finally um just a big thank you to all the arsenal pass patrons you guys do help us out so much and the support is incredible so we really can't thank you enough but uh hayden is that the barbecue or is that something else? What am I smelling? <laughs> yeah, look, I've wanted to add a new section for a while, which is we get a lot of comments on our YouTube. Sort of videos, the weekly pods, um, as since we started doing video, I think from, apart from this episode, Brennan, no video this week, as you as you noticed, just a couple of nice pictures of myself and Brennan. Um, but usually we, we do have the video and we started that, uh, I think back in January, basically the start of the new year. And since then, I think our YouTube videos in general had a lot more, uh, I guess, interaction just because, you know, there's something to look at, I guess. Um, and there often we some really good things bubble up after the episodes because we do have a lot of discussion points. Obviously, we have the news, we have our command cookout section, and then our main topics usually generate quite a lot of uh, interesting discussion. Some of that filters onto Twitter, some of that's on YouTube, some of that we just have in discussions with each other post uh, or with others uh, post the, the episode. But what I did want to look at, Brennan, is uh, kind of an in-the-comment section. I don't really have a nice name for it or a, a cute name for it, but just on the back of last week's Fab 2.0 announcement, really interesting. I thought we'd just look back and, and just reflect on some of the things that have happened since then and just the general sort of, I guess, sentiments of the community. So overall, the I think the community feel for Fab 2.0 because obviously we recorded that immediately. We didn't get a chance to, um, I guess, take in how other people felt. We just recorded our raw feelings. We literally read the announcement and then we hit record and we did it. So overall, the community feels I think, pretty similar to us. You know, great announcement, really positive steps to the game, which is really cool to see. I think we thought that would probably happen we felt that this was a really positive announcement we thought that people would feel very similar about it and it turns out you know for the most part people do re feel really positive about this um also we did a bit of a section you know current state of the game uh i think that's some similar feelings around that around where the game is right now and then this historic sort of sets that are coming out with you know obviously foreign language uh, sorry with you know with non-english language um sets and the whiteboarded elements of that the support for that seems to be like huge there's some questions around why they've decided to do 36 uh, pack booster displays rather than the traditional 24. Uh, but from overall, this seems to be going down really well across people who maybe want a non-English language um, set, but also those who want access to these cards for an ongoing period of time. So although, you know, I can't say I'm a big fan of these whiteboarded cards, I thought they were a little bit of an eyesore when I saw them. Uh, it looks like they're going to go down pretty well, which is, is great to see and give more people access to these cards potentially. Yeah, and people hopefully, I mean, hopefully we get to a point where you know, people complaining about acquiring some of these cards um, becomes less of an issue. I do say the word complain because I do feel like, not because everybody should be spending money on cards, but because I hear this argument a lot around like staples 
and their role in your deck to perform at a very at even the lowest level and i think that's just absolutely not true i think that you can get really far in flesh and blood without um a lot of these sort of legendaries and chase majestic specifically like these e-strike and command and conquerors um but yeah i mean this definitely helps i'm all for it like i i'm so not attached to me having things that other people can't have like i just everybody i the most tragic thing is for me is it's like whenever i go to like an armory and then someone says you know brings a deck and they're like oh, i just can't really have this and they're they're not enjoying their experience because of that i'm like dude just just proxy it just pr pretend like that's a tunic i don't care like just do whatever right so more access the better i'm all for it hey well though if you're gonna head to an armory at the moment and you're playing viscerian blitz you probably you you know like some of your default equipment might be to not even play a legendary at the moment you, you could very well be playing suckless suede hides scalata uh, cool hand and hope Mitchell's hood. So Absolutely. Might be a little, leave you a little bit vulnerable, but it could be could be right in the correct. Uh, could be correct in this meta. For sure. When you uh, when you're there when you're there to kill on turn two, the hope Mitchell's hood comes in handy, baby. <laughs> so I've heard. Other uh, other I guess reflections from last week's episode. Brendan, you cannot have two GMIDs. Uh, that is not allowed. Even if um, I don a mustache and so. This is an interesting argument. We just got to touch. I think like the immediate shutdown of that idea is like less intelligent than it seems where it's like, you immediately think like, of course you can't. Right. But it is weird to breed, like to like create a structure that disincentivizes a very small group of players. I will say, mind you, um, from playing sometimes, uh, so while I don't think that the system would actually work, like there's so many issues that come on the back end, like, you know, if one player has to stake ELO and the other doesn't, it's not really fair. And then win trading, God, who even knows? But I do think that the system fundamentally has increased the logistical workload for legendary studios to maintain the integrity of their ELO system by like tenfold. And I just hope that they actually kept that in mind when they made this change, right? Because if you look at the happy pathways, um, like it makes a lot of sense. Like people have more chances at ELO. There's more on the line, like just more participation overall. Cause there have been some regions of the world that are drastically underserved. But then if we take it back to like the original ideology of what ELO is, this is a huge departure actually. Cause before these were events that were very curated. They had sort of kind of a foundation that you needed to meet like a base amount of requirements. And those were definitely not equivalent to, you know, a small armory, local judges, and maybe a few people, maybe capping quite low, pre-selling these things. And like, I'm not saying that's going to happen every time, but that is, these are cases that now Legendary Studio, I feel like is responsible for sort of maintaining because the integrity of the entire system is at jeopardy with this. So I think there's like, there's good things, of course, but again, one of my core issues with Legendary is sometimes when they make these announcements, I feel like I didn't really get the full story, right? They just kind of give me the base. And I'm like, well, did you think about everything else that could have happened? It's like, if they tell me they do, then I'm like, for sure, you're the boss. Like, I'm I'm in 100%. I trust you all the way. But with this stuff, like, this is, goes back to, like, the gifting PTIs, the XP. It's like, there's, there's, a, there's another side of this that, like, there are intangible effects, intangible effects that happen that are not beneficial. It's like, you just have to be prepared as the company um, or the studio to sort of oversee that and maintain that because there's a lot at stake here. And I just want to say, I, I know that's kind of a rant, but I think it's important because there's like, there is a good conversation to have about this change and it is, it is a massive change. Yep. Yeah. I think there's definitely a conversation to have about it. 
but you still can't have two GMIDs, Brendan. Well, you haven't seen you haven't seen my wigs. They're pretty. They're pretty. Uh, they're pretty good. <laughs> no, I, I think there is an interesting conversation on the back of that, but it's always the same. It's like if they hadn't changed the system and you you isolate regions. There's so many things that come with not making that change as well. So it is it's double sided, right? There's always two sides to everything, and there's always things you have to balance on both sides. So there's never with these kind of decisions, it's never perfect. But um, you know, I have faith that at least. Some of this will be accounted for, and hopefully they're mitigating a lot of larger factors. I mean, in, in other, you can look at other games as a case of a bit of a, an indicator. In other games, ELO goes down to the lowest levels, um, and they originally have K factors, but actually often not as many K factors as what uh, our sister are looking at for Fab Moving Forward, which I do like. I like that there is quite significant changes in the K factors, and that you talked about being disinvesting device to play, and yes, I can see that to a degree, but it's it's coming as like small amounts of elo and because it's all rel it's all relative just at exponential levels of k value uh it seems like it, the service level is a system that's going to work really well but um there's definitely a couple of things on the i guess the, the back end of it like you say logistical side and and how integrity are run and things used. like that yeah of course of course um, but that's always the same it's been the same for every system used so far and it's going to be the same for any qualification system you use to be honest uh we definitely have to hard disagree because I think that their the system before for Elo was very structured, um, and LSS. Sure, XP is much... not. I'm talking about XP. Oh uh, yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. Existing. That's what I'm saying. Is like XP was kind of a, it was was kind of a disaster, right? When we saw the one K to XP, pretty much everybody exploited that system to get those gold foils. Um, yeah, this were... is much better than that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. My my whole argument, right, is that there is more to be talked about when you make a change like this. Like it's not there's. It's not, it's not simple. It's not just like we add these things in. Like this is a massive change to flesh and blood, um, organized play, competitive. Um, and that's that ELO system, like what it means and what, like what players will do to kind of acquire it. So like, I just felt like it wasn't being talked about and I think it's an important topic because I think we're going to be sort of reaping um, whatever they've sown with this new change for years to come. What do you mean by players doing whatever they can to acquire it? Because what players can do to acquire it is play events. Players play events, which is surely the best thing for the game. Sure. So like you would like me to go into depth about like what people did to acquire ELO at a faster rate than other that was physically possible for other people. For ELO? Yeah, sure. E no, XP for, for XP, though. yeah. But XP no, no, was... No, no, exactly who it is XP. XP is very different, though, because you can... You, there's a lot of different exploits for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, like, you're right. Because a, a, skir a skirmish is much different than a road to nationals when it actually yes. isn't, right? No, not really. No. You, can still have a you can still have a road to nationals in sort of a lesser populated area. You can... Or even in a populated area. You can cap it for whatever reason, store size, COVID restrictions, and then you can pre-sell it to the people that you want to. It's happened many times. And like, I know it's more of an America thing where it's happened, but we've talked about it so many times and it happens and it, it's, it's not good. It was bad when it was, when it was bad when it was happening for XP and skirmish prizes. Now it's rated ELO. So, so how does that help people exploit the ELO system? How does that help people exploit the ELO system? Yeah, because unlike XP, when you use ELO, you are taking and giving, not just giving. Yeah, so basically not everybody has a fair, uh, uh, like not everybody would have a fair way to compete in that, in that sense, right? Like you can't travel to the events that you might want to travel to. You can't compete when you want to. Um, and there may be situations where they, like you could stop outside players from coming in and playing in your local meta and effectively coming yeah. in and, le and leeching your ELO, right? Rather than transferring it between yourselves. 
Mm. I, I honestly think that's going to be so niche and that's so small. We saw that starting to be stamped out in the skirmish seasons and and all you know all the events so far. I can't see that being as big an issue as it is with you know say using XP system but, where it's all. But I agree with additive. you though, right? Like if we just list like what I said verbatim was like I don't think it's going to be a huge massive issue that's going to happen. But I don't think that it hundred percent won't happen. And now it's on Legend Story to sort of maintain the integrity of that system with these less regulated events like it's a big change right that's what i'm saying is like it's just it's not as simple as it looks all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think i think that's that is an issue but i think that is is an issue is is very very minor and, and to be honest if legend story studios haven't had more than a five minute conversation about it i, I think they're probably gonna be okay yeah, I mean, in, in lieu of some recent decisions, I have a question. But yeah, I mean, like, I have to sort of bring it back, right? And just kind of end with, I'm not saying it's a bad system. I'm not even saying I'm not in favor for the system, uh, of the system. But what I am saying is that, like, there is, I wish we would have gotten more information. I wish it would have been more of like a, here's why we're doing it. Here's what we're thinking. Here's how it's going to be executed. Rather than just like, oh, we made this change because it's just nice. It's like, I uh, it might just be me losing some faith, but I would have liked them to expand a bit on it, you know? Yeah, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, to be honest, I feel like most of the service level changes seem really good and it gives opportunity. Um, and the, I feel like the execution with the K-level factor is, is really nice. Like, we've really thought about that. But yeah, I think there's going to be some small teething issues and things that come up. I, I don't I don't disagree. So it'd be interesting to see what those are. Obviously, you've just highlighted one that you think um could could be and very well might be an issue but we'll i'm sure we'll see there'll probably be others as well so just yeah. especially around uh, just total events especially at high level k factors i think callings not being accessible to a lot of areas is still gonna be a massive factor because of the k value of those but we will yeah we'll see the game is still expanding that's unfortunate yeah i mean that that's unfortunately been a bit of a um like covid and restriction things i know the logistics on that have been tough sure, is. which is um but like on the bright side of all this like fab 2.0 is a massive hit <laughs> like there's a lot of positive feedback people are very happy um like i think that this is a, and we said it last week right it is a step in like the absolute right direction um and i'm super excited like i like i just don't want us to detract from the overall positivity of this of this announcement and of this change by kind of harking on some like theoretical negative right um so yeah i just kind of want to end with that Fair enough. All right, last one from our reflection on, on Fab 2.0 uh, post sort of hearing the feedback around um, suspended list. There's been, a, you know, obviously a big change as well as the getting rid of ban restricted and we're now ban and suspended and what that means for the game going forward. And I guess the biggest question that's come out of that uh, for the immediate is, will we see the suspended list used with the May announcement? And is that why potentially the ban and now suspended announcement was moved or i guess not moved but alice defaulted on doing anything in this april announcement to a may announcement now with a suspended list for sure yeah it could be i would definitely be willing to die on the hill that they just weren't prepared <laughs> to make the decision at that point um but yeah i mean i am interested in the suspended list specifically for blitz um i think that blitz does need a few changes that can make it a lot more interesting um we talked about the power of Viscera in the beginning of this pod, but you could probably hit a few things to sort of fresh up the meta and make it a bit more interactive. It could it could be destined to be a two uh, like a two turn format. Uh, that's not inherently bad. Um, 
I just think that more decks being viable outside of these crazy combo decks like Viserai or just like old him who can kind of do everything super well or Kano, right? Which is just like a kind of a derivative of Viserai at this point would be really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, throw a bit of throw a bit of oil across there, you know, stay grilled <laughs> because the commander cookout is basically that question. So, um, if you do want to get your commander cookout question, and you can get it through to uh, Arsenal Pass Fab at gmail.com, you can drop it in the YouTube comments below and uh, let us know that it's a, a commander cookout question, or you can send it through to us on Twitter. But Brendan Fancy on the community Discord asks: Is competitive blitz the future of blitz? If so then how does the format as it is as it stands today, very fast, common to kill by turn three, as you just said, change to benefit it being a viable competitive format? Is best of three an option? Uh, could suspensions slow down the format or something else? Mm, best of three. I really doubt they ever go back <laughs> to best of to best of three. So Flesh and Blood actually went through a, a phase of doing best of threes. I don't know if you were your top eights best of three, Hayden, or had they had they gotten rid of just it? Just the final. Just, just the, the final. final. Okay. Which was really weird <laughs> in limited, particularly. Um, but best of three, I doubt it. There I actually saw this question and there was a pretty funny response someone made, which says that is competitive blitz the future of blitz. Um, and they just said like Com- uh, blitz is com- is competitive and is the main format and class constructed is just big deck blitz <laughs> it's like that's eh, kind of felt like that recently uh, um but hayden do you think that like via a few card changes that we could actually slow down the format because like think about it if we think about what we're going to ban right it might be something with old him i guess but it's like definitely something with viscerai and then who knows if we hit kano but then, like, there's, like, these sort of decks in the, you know, sitting in the grass, right? Like, Reinar, that kind of still kills on turn two, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I feel there's a lot of viable decks in this format. The problem is, is that there's one deck that does this turn two sort of thing a lot more consistently with slightly more power than other decks in the format, right? So, if you do want it to be a format that's, like, a turn three format, I, I think that's maybe okay. Um, but at the moment, there's multiple decks that can do it by turn three, but there's a deck that does it by turn two fairly consistently, right? So that's kind of the issue that, that you're facing if you're trying to balance this format. In terms of like, did you want it to be something else entirely? I don't think so, because I think that requires a big change to... Like, James White said it. He said it in his interview, actually. I was listening to the um, the Covenant cast with, um, with Zach and Steven, and they asked about, you know, I guess kind of blitz heroes and the support for them and james says you know it's a, it's a format that gets a lot less attention because just the nature of their i guess their time spent class constructed is their main format so when they release heroes like valder or data doll or whoever it is these other auxiliary blitz heroes the time spent on those is is not as much but the the format overall is a lot faster because the power level is just shrunk down right it's not actually uh, it's not changed or anything a lot of the interactions are still the same it's just you know on a, on a i guess a shorter time frame so I think to change that is going to be massive. You'd have to do these huge, huge, huge changes, use the suspended list very aggressively, use the ban list very aggressively. And I don't think that makes a lot of sense. So I think instead, if you're okay for this to be a three-turn format and to be about positioning and making the right decisions across three turns, the best three, you know, the best three turns of decisions you can, and sometimes you won't always get to make three turns with a decision. Maybe it'll be one turn, the decision doesn't matter, two turns, they really matter. Um, and in some games, maybe 20% of games go longer than that, you know, five, six, seven, eight turn games, then that's fine. Especially if there's a deck that comes in that can really control that sort of pace. Then I think that's fine, but you just have to understand what we need to do to make sure that happens. And I think 
doing something to Viscerae is probably the way to do that. Do you think that they could have a derivative format of Blitz? Like, I think this is what Fancy's saying. Called competitive Blitz, where they just kind of aggressively suspend cards? I just don't think it works. I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe. But I just, like I say, I think that requires just so much focus on it and also probably a really aggressive uh, amount of spending and banning. Um, I think what we see in the future is we're going to see another format in the form of Commoner come out, which is, yeah, it's not competitive. But maybe yeah, Blitz, well, is, Blitz is the competitive. <laughs> well, why is it not competitive? We've just we've just seen it be competitive. I well, I agree with you that it's had, it's had callings, but I feel like uh, I can't quote it off the top of my head. But I feel like they that Legendary Studios has made the statement that Blitz is a casual format. Mm, I could I be wrong. That's, but yeah, I don't think they have. I think they've said it's it's a great gateway format to Class Constructed, and they've said that it's a great format for like things like skirmish. I think they might have said that it is good for casual players, I don't think they've actually explicitly said it as a casual format. And I don't think it is. They've just posted a column. They've just put a battle hardens on for the blitz. So I, I don't think it is. Um, it's just about what they actually want to do with it. Clear, I think they're clearly dipping their toes at the moment to see what the format can and cannot be. And then they've got to make some decisions. I'm fine for it to be a competitive format. I just think they have to use it sparingly. It's clearly not as robust as clear. You have to use your the time you're spending on your formats, I think should reflect the, the highest level of formats. If the order is class constructed, then limited, and then blitz, then your formats should should reflect that. Your competitive level formats should reflect that. Where CC is the, the most amount, you know, your pro tours, um, your callings, majority of those, then limited, and then you know maybe sprinkle in some blitz callings and battle hardens, etc. Maybe a um, a pro first season. I think that's fine. I think there's a little bit of context that should be added there, which is like these blitz callings and battle hardens happened after Everfest, which was a set that devoted a lot of game design to blitz. And then the last time we had a blitz calling was after the announcement of blitz and during Crucible. So kind of the creation of the format. I wonder if we're at like peak, let's say we have a limited set, right? Um, for a few months, if they kind of sprinkle in a, a blitz calling at that time, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. And I think that would sort of cement in my mind that this is going to be a part of the competitive rolodex of uh, of events um but i do want to i want to do want to say one little anecdote because i definitely talk a lot of crap about blitz nowadays i didn't used to um i did i talked to michael fang after the tournament um i think he lost his winning and so he played you know he played well did the whole tournament his friend won the tournament and i was like hey so playing a blitz calling did you like did you enjoy yourself did you have fun did you feel like it was um it was worth your while and he said yeah, like there, there is, you can't just lose sometimes, but ultimately, you know, if you play tight and you sort of have a game plan of how you want to win, um, like there's a lot of edge that you can get. And he feels like it's, it wasn't, he wasn't let down by it, which is, which is a good thing. It's a good thing to hear that takeaway, right? Like someone goes to a blitz calling, they play, um, and they enjoy it, right? Like, and they do feel some sort of, uh, like they played a competitive event, right? It wasn't just, sitting down to roll dice against their opponents. So I was really happy to hear that. Um, and that was how I felt when I played the Battle Hardened as well. We just wanted to give a little anecdote because I didn't have time to speak to him um, after the event. Yeah, I think that's great. And I mean, all you have to do is look at the results. All you have to do is look at that top eight. The the players that I looked down that top eight, there was, yeah, Yuanji, like you said, Michael narrowly missed top eight. There was, I think, two national champions in that top eight. Um, it is, as much as you can say, yeah, there is, just because it's shorter and more explosive doesn't mean there's, um, I guess, there's less skill involved. Because people say, oh, there's less decisions. Yeah, there is, but you still have to get the decisions that you make correct. 
And some of those decisions are actually more complicated uh, and you actually can't get away with making bad decisions. So I think it's there's still a lot of skill involved in that format. Um, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get into the argument of is there less, is there more. I, I don't know. I think it's really dependent on each of the formats individually, um, and how you contextualize and how you want to sort of qualify skill in that way. But I think clearly you've seen very good players do well this weekend. Yeah, details don't really matter. Like at the end of the day, it's like don't write it off. It's still flesh and blood. It's still fun, um, and you can have a great time at these callings because I know some people were like, oh, I'd never go to a blitz calling. I would go to a blitz <laughs> yeah. calling. I mean, I went to Tales of Arya Seals callings. Come on, I know variants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would go to a blitz calling if it's if it's if it's close, right? Like, I wouldn't travel to Poland, <laughs> I don't think. But you know, I'd play one locally. Um, so, I just want to go back to Fancy's question: Is is a competitive blitz the future of blitz? I mean, I, I think so. I think to I think commoner is your very casual format that you're not going to see. Probably, maybe you might see a skirmish at some point, um, but I doubt it because that. Is kind of doesn't really fit with what flesh and blood is, right? Like in terms of from a set design and from that sort of thing, it's not thought about as a format. So I can't see that happening. Um, so I think competitive blitz is the future of blitz. Yes. Uh, do I think best of three? No. Actually, funny little story, just quickly. The best of three. So me and Matt Rogers played our calling final best of three. We played game one, <laughs> and me and Matt kind of goes, uh, "I'm pretty sure I can't win this," and I go. Yeah, I don't think you can. I've just seen your whole deck. You've just seen my whole deck. I know exactly every card that's in your deck, and you know exactly what's in mine. And we're going to play this out. And then we said to James afterwards, we're like, yeah, just best of three and, and limited, especially once you've just seen your opponent's entire deck. It's kind of irrelevant, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I agree with um, you. <laughs> but maybe it's slightly different in Blitz where it's a two, three turn format, but I, I don't see it happening. It's just not the way the game's uh, designed. Suspensions to slow down the format? Yeah, I think it could be. Um, I think. Maybe instead of a two and two and three format, it's a turn three to five format, and I think suspensions could help that in terms of slowing it down even more. I think that requires a lot of change, and I don't see it. Yeah, I don't think that Legendary Studios has the uh, the bandwidth on the game design team to aggressively suspend and try to make Blitz a healthy format. I think they have sort of bigger fish to fry with. Um, maybe in the future. Yeah, maybe in the future, but yeah. So we'll see. I do expect some bands to come though um, in the next announcement. But uh, yeah. Anyway, Hayden, let's go ahead and head into the main topic. Talk about limited. We've been talking about Blitz for so long. So a little bit different than last week's Fab 2.0. We really just dug into that announcement. And we're going to be speculating on the future. And the future of, uh, dare I say, Hayden Dale's favorite format. But maybe my favorite format as well, which is limited flesh and blood. So Hayden, take us yeah. in. Yeah, limited is super important. James and Legend Story Studios have said that repeatedly that they wanted to make a game that was also designed for limited, not just constructed play. That was very much in the forethought of what Flesh and Blood is. And I think you really saw that. I mean, Welcome to Wraith will go down as, I think, just one of the best limited formats for sealed, for draft. I think clearly when they looked at that set and they wanted to release it, they had put a lot of time and effort into the limited format. Plus, you know, they'd thought about obviously constructed and what that might look like for the future, but it was a base set, was the first set. Um, and we had a lot of limited events post-release. Uh, of course, that meant that not a lot of people played it because it was so small at the time. But welcome to Rake the Farewell. People got to play the draft format and see just how good that format is. Arcane Rising, I think, was universally a bit of a, a, bit of a miss uh, for people. But again, very small player base. Uh, the seal format was kind of derided. People didn't think it was very good. But the draft format was seen as, as maybe okay. Um, and then you head into Monarch, right? Which is kind of the first time that a bigger base of players get a hold of it from a limited standpoint. 
although we still don't have that many events. I think at the end there was maybe one or two callings and um, some other events, but you know, pretty small again. But people start to get to see this limited format. And of course, the, the talent system comes in and does what it does. And then we get to Tales of Aria, which is the first time that a lot of people get to get their hands on it. Yes, we see some problems with the seal format. Uh, we see Brada eventually, Abraya eventually eroded. Brada. You, you say Brada? It's a type of yeah, bread. It's cheese, cheese, mate. But mm. uh, <laughs> also, it's an eroded Briar. Um, but then you see that, right? And then you get this this draft format that I think most people think is a pretty good draft format. Some people think it's a very good draft format, me included. <laughs> so limited through flesh and blood has really gone on a journey. And I think the the question that I'm really asking myself, and I would love to ask yourself, Brendan, but also LSS and James White, is what is next for limited and where do we go from here, especially post the Fab 2.0 announcement? They've continually said that limited is going to be important, but when I listened to the other day to James White talk, uh, as I said on this Covenant cast, he did make it pretty clear that Classic Constructed is the number one format that they think about for balancing. Um, albeit, interestingly, when Seeds of Agony got banned, they pointed out that I was gonna say. Seeds, <laughs> Seeds was banned, balanced for limited, which then ended up hitting in a Constructed. So, but I think they're spending more of their focus on the Constructed element. So what does that actually mean for the future of limited? Well, we're about to get one more limited set, a limited playable set this year. It's going to be the only limited playable set this year. That's basically we're going to spend, I think it's going to end up being about 16 months between the first and third set that we're going to have in terms of, so between Tales and the set after Uprising. So we're going to have one set in 17 months effectively that's fresh. That's really interesting, I think, from a game that talks about being limited focus and having this limited element to it and being about good limited play. Um, because then the other set that we're going to have this year is supplemental. So I guess, Brennan, initially, if we talk about it, like, what are your thoughts on limited as a format? Like, do you think it's a good format? Do you think it's something that Flesh and Blood should continue to go after and, and pursue as a, not only just a, a format for the game in general, but a competitive format? Yeah, I love limited. Um, keeps me interested in the game. <laughs> like, I feel like limited keeps uh, keeps my attention much longer than classic constructed does over sort of a long period of time where there's no changes. Um, like, I'm always happy to just like do a draft with friends, right? Because it's it's very like it's different every time. It depends who you play with. Um, but it is it's like it was a huge focus of this game from the very beginning. I heard that from James himself back when I met him in Austin in 2019, and then. Like you can just see it through design, right? Like this, this game is designed to be drafted. It's designed to be played in a sealed format, um, and I've been really happy with it so far. And I actually think it's improved, kind of set the set. Like Monarch was probably my favorite limited format um, outside of Welcome to Wraith, but the Welcome to Wraith I kind of just chalk up the nostalgia sometimes, and I don't count it. But uh, yeah, I mean, we went to a format with three heroes in Tales of Aria. So what does the fourth one look like? Um, like the design is, it seems to kind of be ever evolving, especially in, in regards to limited. But um, yeah, I would be interested to hear your thoughts in terms of like the the durations, right? Like, so how long we go between sets? It does feel long, Hayden. It does feel long. <laughs> um, I don't think there's much we can do to change that, but I would... I would like more 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 sets that are draftable, more more sets, more limited sets. Honestly, I would like more sets kind of overall instead of going into some of these lull periods like we did back, uh, like a little bit pre December and throughout December. But uh, alas, 
um, that's how it is. How are you feeling about the uh, the seventeen month kind of one technically one fresh set? I guess you could sort of backdate it to the set before that is fresh at the beginning of at the beginning of that time period. But uh, sure, what what is like? Yeah, just give me Hayden's da- Hayden Dale's palette on the on that. Well, it's probably going to end up being about nine months between each. I think there's a really big period of time to, to have. I th- yeah, you could you could have a new person could be created in that time. That's a long time. <laughs> I think more sets is I'd be really wary of more sets. I think the release schedule idea of what was, I guess, touted originally, and I, I know that was always subject to change, but two standalone sets and then one uh, expansion set, which is now they're going to call it a supplemental expansion, I believe, with Fab 2.0. So that that makes sense to me. That gives you about you know roughly like four to six months between those um, standalone sets, those draftable, limited playable booster sets. You know, obviously that that slightly changes depending on release schedule and where the the expansion set falls, and then if they're going to do potentially two expansion sets, unsure about how that works. But that would kind of, I think, two sets to me. I think they can do that in a really good way where it keeps limited fresh, and then also you have this ability to have a limited set come out. You can either have the the constructor calling immediately, sorry, the constructor pro tour immediately, and then you could go into a limited season. I think that would be really cool, right? So maybe you say, okay, um, uprising releases. Uh, we go into Pro Tour number two. There's actually a bit of a gap, which I don't love, but is what it is. Uprising releases, we get the second Pro Tour. This is all hypothetical. And then you have immediately post that, maybe it's a Pro Quest season that's constructed. And then and, you know you have a couple of weeks break for maybe a, a Blitz Skirmish season or whatever, and you go into this limited format. And then that takes you through to Set X or whatever. Like I think there's ways to do it where you get to have a really healthy amount of limited, really healthy amount of constructed, and really healthy amount of like Blitz sprinkled in there. And then you get to your next set with there'd be another standalone set. And then maybe limited becomes the focus that time. Okay, it's a limited pro tour. So uh, the first six weeks are really focused on limited. We have a couple of callings to the pro tour. And then you move into constructed or whatever it is. I think that works well. That that would be my idea. And I don't think you need more sets to do that. It's about release schedule and, and having just these these standalone draftable sets, which I think is super important. And I'm, I really miss these. I'm missing limited right now. It's the one thing I want to be playing. Um, I almost sought out a draft last night instead of doing some other things with friends because I really want to play limited. But you know, it's not fresh. I played a lot of tails and I don't really want to be continuing to draft tails. So that is the one thing I feel like I'm missing with this game. It's like really good limited play and for it to be fresh every now and again and waiting, you know, nine months and, and really hammering a format for say a nationals and then not having anything to look forward to for limited for what was my nationals January, but it would have been November. Uh, that's eight months, seven months. That's a long time. So um, yeah, I think there's definitely, I'm worried about this kind of new release schedule and the fact that it seems like we're not going to have as much limited as I would like. Yeah, I do. Gosh, I always throw on the tinfoil hat. I must be so annoying to some people. Um, I do have a little theory that, you know, most of Flesh and Blood was actually developed before the game was released. And Mm -hmm. I think we're getting close to exhausting the sets that were designed fully during that period. And now we're getting into the time where we have new sets coming out sets that have started didn't even reach ideation until you know welcome to wraith was in the hands of players and i think that that is just such a different beast right there's like one thing when you have six years to develop your first few sets you got all the time in the world you're testing um you know sort out all the logistics whatever it is but now you've got to develop and run the company on the fly create all this op play on balance current sets so I wonder if it's sort of uh we're seeing a repercussion of that and if it's going to get better or if it's going to get worse. Um but I I ultimately hope that we do pivot to more sets, but that 
could be strictly ignorance, right? Like I could just not understand um, how that the entirety of that process of what I'm actually asking for, uh, what the downsides are of that. But it does feel like with this release schedule that we might go through some periods of a uh, kind of uh, stale, right, or dull. We sort of overplayed some of the sets, overplayed the formats, um, and I'm not a big fan of those things. Those formats being artificially shaken up by uh, sort of bands, bands, bands that aren't needed. Like that, that's not cool, right? Like it's like, oh, we just banned uh, Starvo. It's like, uh, yeah. I mean, if you want things to be organically new, feel organically new and inventive, yeah, just drop it during a set. Or I wonder. Yeah, I mean, or there's of course like the things that you know, like Hearthstone does, probably not executable on a paper TCG where they do like mini sets. Um, just inject a few kind of key cards into the game every now and then. That's a very digital card game thing. But uh, yeah, I think we're getting slightly off topic. I'm um, well, that's, go ahead. I should say like that's I guess the idea of what these expansion sets are, right? These yeah. formerly supplemental sets are, and and that's fine. That's great. I think the one thing I think LSS can do a better job of is the scheduling of OP around those and to be fair it's been thrown into absolute turmoil yeah. and chaos by what what COVID has done and i expect that they'll get a lot better at, at this going forward but aside from that because i think it's very different that's starting to talk about constructed and all those things and if i just bring it back to limited and just what is your overall thought just this is a bit of speculation because we are going to dive into i guess the future of limited and the things that we want to see and the learnings and things like that but just from a purely release schedule and the future of limited as a macro kind of thing do you see this kind of idea of expansion expansion one maybe two uh standalone sets a year which would mean that we're sort of looking at seven to ten months stretches of one limited format do you see that being the future and if you do do you think that that means that limited really drops down and sort of the picking order of this game moving forward hmm. that's an interesting question um because like i said i i have had personal conversations with James where he expressed his sort of passion for limited and how important it was in flesh and blood. So I'd be, I'd be surprised if it sort of started to fall towards the wayside. Um, but with that release schedule, I mean, it's not a lot of sets, right? I remember when crucible four first came out, I was actually so disappointed that that was even a thing. Um, we've talked a million times on the pod about how much Hayden and I love crucible four. And we're absolutely blown away by the product. But I remember when I went from Welcome to Raid to Arcane Rising, and I was like, the next set won't be draftable. I was like, this is garbage. Because <laughs> like that's what I love to do. Like I love like I love drafting. I love play like just you know playing limited. Um constructed as well, but constructed gets I think much older, much faster. So I'm uh I hope it doesn't become that Hayden. I really hope it doesn't. If it does, we're gonna have to start Cuban. Uh, yeah, well, we, we could, we could, maybe we'll do a pot on cubing. Um, I think my kind of, just before we move on, my overall kind of takeaway is, I don't think it will. I think this is this year's release schedule. Um, but the one thing I hope that Alice is too, and I feel like would really be a signal of intent, is that once Uprising releases, uh, I believe that's the next standalone set, right? Yeah, Uprising, that yeah. we get a limited season. We get a ProQuest season of limited. I think that's really what we need. I think that would really take it into the hands of uh, more players because at the moment I think they've done a good job of what they've done with the first season and heading into the second season of ProQuest in terms of encouraging players to play. I would love to see maybe ProQuest season into maybe even a skirmish season where we use limited. I would at least at the very least ProQuest because I think we had it as a skirmish season and a national season, but I think 
to put it into the hands of a pro season that's showing intent of what they want to do with their limited format. And maybe Tails, they didn't feel wasn't right. I know they thought it was a great draft format. Obviously, we had draft skirmishes. You had draft at nationals, but um, sealed at the callings and maybe you know feedback as well. They didn't feel that the seal was good enough, but hopefully moving forward, that issue is resolved or solved or, or whatever. And we can have a, a great limited season, which shows some intent. And then we get into 2023 and we'll see what happens then with two, maybe possibly two standalone sets. Mm-hmm. so we'll see all right Brendan so that's kind of I guess where we see the future of limited we I guess the answer is we don't know we'd both like to see it used more and to have sets that allow for fresher limited play more regularly especially as you head into uh, you know key events right like you want to see a limited format it's less it's less interesting I think to see a limited format explored than it is a, a classic instructor format right because it's you know there's less involvement in terms of um it's about the cards you get on the day it's not about what you bring in the innovation but it is still really important but maybe the viewership piece as well i just want to say that is maybe it's a little bit less enticing um definitely less enticing time. to be fair like i yeah, I, 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 I like it i like I, and yeah 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 for sure so they they have instituted things that helped with that um so like following someone's draft and um that was a huge change i remember i was i was I was basically yelling at Tannen that they got to do this. And he was like, they just keep telling us no. I was like, dude, you got to. It's the best part of ever watching Magic Limited GPs. But there is a fundamental issue where players don't really empathize with limited decks, right? Because um, they're just kind of built on the day. Whereas like with Class Constructed, like I'm an old him player and I get to watch this old him player. Like it's, I already kind of have that that connection um and there's a bit of a narrative there for me where i know with limited it just looks like you're watching like sometimes it can look like you're just watching two decks like just go at each other two kind of random decks um so i do think that i do think it is almost like probably on the aggregate it is probably worse for coverage um and this coming from a person that likes to watch those mind you but i think for like the average player like it might not be as entertaining as classic yeah yeah i I can see that i think it's it's those events are also I think you can use those to follow players mm-hmm. rather than necessarily the, the format and yeah. the games. But at Reach the same sister. time, I think following a draft, for sure, and following like <laughs> using the draft to showcase someone, you know, really showing their skill in the draft and then implementing that in their plans when they play is like a really good learning for people. But, you know, you don't want to be seeing that week in, week out on a calling stage. But I think using that for pro season, for instance, and maybe a pro tour and a couple of callings is it's great. And I hope they do so. Anyway, Brendan. Let's talk about some learnings and some of the things that we really want to see moving forward with Limited and what we think is important to, I guess, build a great Limited future for Flesh and Blood. So for two learning learnings first, what do you think are the key takeaways from the first four Limited sets that we've yeah. had so far? So we got we to gotta do a little boomer recap of Welcome. I mean, people have played Welcome to Wraith now because we had the farewell events, but Welcome to Wraith was we interesting did. because you could stay open in quotations by picking armor and picking generics and like it wasn't necessarily like that in monarch or tails like specifically in monarch you really had to like kind of commit to like 50 percent of the pool so like kind of early um and then in tails obviously you know there were the element cards that were kind of played by two of the two of the characters so it felt it felt better than monarch for staying open but still was uh it's still it's still tighter than welcome to wraith and arcane rising in my opinion arcane is a bit of an outlier because it's just a funky set i actually haven't drafted it too much to be fair so i don't think i can comment um but i do think that from a quality perspective um like a like a drafting quality perspective uh mostly enjoyability i think that 
we've seen an increase pretty much every set after Arcane Rising. Like I think Monarch was a big step up, although pack distributions were uh, wild. <laughs> um, and then Tails was uh, a step up from that, even though I I think I enjoyed uh, Monarch more myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think Alice so far have, I think the takeaways from these first four sets is that each set they've learned a bit more about draft. I think they need to learn a bit more about sealed. I think that's probably some of the learnings they'll take away from this previous format. Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, think about Briar and and actually it's interesting playing. I don't know if you've played that sealed format with the Arata, but it's, uh, it's a lot more enjoyable, I think. Yeah, I could imagine that. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think that's that's something that they've definitely learned. I think they've also learned about how to build in this idea of staying open. So you talk about Welcome to Wraith, right? It's really, mm-hmm. you can stay open. I think you can stay too open in Welcome to Wraith, to be honest. I think it doesn't punish. I actually prefer sealed in Welcome to Wraith to draft, interestingly. Yeah. Um, just but usually you have playables, right? Where it's like in Tails and in, in Monarch, Monarch specifically. Like, I feel like more people at the table ended up with crack bubbles than they do in Welcome to Wraith. 100 percent but even though the deck's so open yeah <laughs> yeah you've got to you've got to understand like the pro like your pick priority order changes mm-hmm. in terms of entails and monarch than it does in other sets because you've got to understand the archetype you're building and how what the level of importance people are going to put in those cards like you can look at the same pack in 50 different drafts and different cards are going to wheel each time based on what people are drafting and how they feel about certain cards so i think that's something that alice is learning and that's great that probably then leads to okay do we have to do some pack distribution uh, to help the draft format a little bit more like for instance maybe the critique of tails versus welcome to wraith is welcome to wraith you could say too open tails you couldn't say open enough potentially or it wasn't rewarding enough to stay open uh, it was yeah. more rewarding to commit so i think there's lessons like that um if we talk about sealed versus draft overall on more of a macro macro level, it seems like draft is a lot more advanced than sealed, right? Like in terms of we've had, I think basically all the draft formats have been solid to very good. Whereas some of the sealed formats have had a little bit of issue in particular. I think the mostly tails, to be honest, but no, arcane rising was arcane rising. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't play it. Yeah. God, that was unenjoyable sealed format. <laughs> Do you think both formats are good though? Do you think in general like they can create a good seal format and a good draft format? Um, yeah, I, like I don't think that I, I think we talk a lot of we talk bad about Tales of Aria sealed a lot, but um, and you do mostly. I, I'm not as against it as you are. I had to play all the limited calling so so spa- did, did. to spare me, I got some PTSD from those bad boys. Um, you could still like I remember when I played in Dallas, I opened my pool and I was like, holy crap, I'm gonna have to work hard for this and. Ultimately, I felt like I was able to play well in the day and then get to, you know, the second portion where I started drafting. That was just my goal. I was like, God, I just got to get to draft because deck sucks. Um, and yeah, like it, it definitely, there was, there was actually a narrative in Monarch Shield that you would just force Prism, which was, is wrong. It's just not correct. It's just so wrong. But it was a, it was a early narrative and it was quite sticky. A lot of people might still believe that. But in Tales of Aria, yeah, da- Briar was probably a bit more powerful than the others, <laughs> unless you opened some nutty pools. Didn't need a lot to, to work with, so we did see a, a ton of Briars. There were a lot of mirrors. Um, and in Tails, there was actually... I kind of felt like there were some bombs. Like, some of the uh, the higher rarity cards were a bit bomby, um, which I found annoying. And also equipment. Equipment in freaking uh, Tails of Aria was a, just ridiculous, right? Like the guy's got deep blue. Your opponent has deep blue and plume of the evergreen, and you've got nothing. It's oof, it, they are starting super far ahead, um, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah, I do think. Had, oh, go ahead. <laughs> sometimes you had equipments that were also bombs in the form of like crown seeds, maybe being the best card in that set for limited. 
Yeah, I think that in, in going back to Arcane Rising, Arcane Rising Sealed was generally a like so I think for most players and even myself included, it was pretty painful a lot of the time because people were just viscerai piling. And viscerai piling is just like you literally get all of your, your playables, all of your possible playables and block, all of your viscerai cards, and then you run like a forty card deck. Um it sucks. <laughs> Cause like in uh in, in Arcane Rising Viscera is the only hero with like a reliable weapon. Dash kind of has it, but has to boost their cards out of their deck. So you can kind of fatigue most things. Um, and those mirrors suck. And playing into uh, Viscera as some of the other decks, in Sealed specifically, uh, can be quite painful. Because you can just literally not have the tools to push enough damage and kill the opponent. Um, so overall, it's kind of why I think that that format was a, was a failure. And then also um, Induction Chamber was... Quite, uh, quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the difference between sealed and draft to me is there's a, there's a big difference, and it's that the skill involved with draft is a, a lot of it is primarily in that draft section. It is understanding the plan that you want to draft, and then executing that in the, your picks and your pick order. And then when you play the games, yeah, of course, there's still there's still a lot of skill involved, but the draft is the really key part where you pull that together. Whereas sealed, that's, you know, you, you, you sit down, those cards are already there in front of you. You have to be able to understand how to build a good deck. But more than that, you have to understand like how to change and adapt game plans and have really good game plans into what other people are trying to do. That's where the skill comes into it. So draft is more upfront, sealed is a bit more the journey as you go through. And I think that's really important. And I think that's one of the tough like balancing issues that you have is that I think in Welcome to Wraith, for instance, I think, Really great seal format, to be honest. I think it's like it balances as well. It's not too complicated, which is good, versus something like a, a monarch seal, which I think is a lot more complicated. And people's game plans need to be a lot more adapt. Even Arcane Rising, to be honest, I think. I think monarch seal is quite is quite uh, is quite balanced. Like Welcome to Wraith, though. I think it is somewhat balanced. I think it is it is balanced in the design. I think it's actually quite balanced, but I think. In the skill level, it's not as balanced. Oh, as yeah, yeah. I think that <laughs> yeah. That's why people would default into prison because I think that upfront sort of skill cap that I just talked about in sealed deck building and sort of, sorry, the, the upfront versus the journey with these prison decks, I think those are a lot easier to execute plans with versus chain is a little more complicated, Olivia, more complicated, even Bolton a bit more complicated. Um, so that's why we saw a lot of people default into light heroes, I think, yeah. as opposed to, to shadow, even though I think it's actually balanced. And I, I thought that led to a good draft for me. I think Monarch is actually really to look at for as much as I preferred Tales of Aria. I think Tales might be um, the draft format is great, but I think the seal format had issues and the draft format might actually be even a little bit too in depth, a little bit too complicated in terms of just there's too many things that you need to have go right in the draft for the games to be good. Um, and maybe that's a little bit of a step too far. So I think I see these formats being sealed. I think Monarch is actually a pretty good sealed format moving forward. I think they should look to have that level of, I guess, skill cap in terms of the way you execute plans and things like that and the differentiation between the types of heroes. And then somewhat of a balance, almost at the level of draft for Tales of Aria, um, between Monarch Draft and Tales of Aria Draft, I think would be where they want to look at for those kind of things uh, yeah. moving forward. Mm-hmm. I do feel like Welcome to Wraith is kind of the gold standard of sealed balance, though. Uh, it was funny because... I, I agree, uh, I agree. But that's yeah. because it's, like, it's four heroes, there's generics, there's equipment that play into all of them. Like I think just it is naturally so well balanced from that perspective, but does that lead to a good draft format? I think the draft format is fine. Does it lead to, um, I guess, as challenging gameplay as you could have? No, I don't think so. I think it's just funny. Like it's funny 
Sorry, my dog is looking at Toy. I don't know if I can <laughs> Um, I think it's funny because Welcome to Wraith, like that, what, like what you just agreed to, and uh, about the seal format being like healthy, was definitely not the narrative. From Welcome, obviously, Welcome to Wraith was very ground floor, a lot of new players, but uh, but uh, dude, this dog squeak. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Um, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So a lot of the players did not think that like Ninja was playable. They thought that uh, um, Guardian was overpowered. A lot of people forced Guardian. Um, so I, like during the time, people didn't think that that sealed format was very balanced. The the draft format was viewed as a bit more balanced. But yeah, I think arguably one of the easiest decks to force and best decks in sealed was uh, just kind of written off as being bad, which is Ninja. Um, but yeah, in retrospect, yeah, I, I I agree with kind of everything you said there. Yeah, that's that, that's exactly my point. I think you put that more articulated than I did. I think that's my point about Tales of Aria, for instance, is that I think people had problems with that draft form. But I think as people get better at this game, they go back to that format. I think they'll see that. It might be controversial. Maybe yeah. people disagree with me, but I think they'll see that draft form is really, really balanced and a very good draft format. So yeah, because like the same argument that would be saying like uh, Guardian is too overpowered and Welcome to Seal would just say that old him fatigue is broken in draft and it's too easy to force. Yeah, all people just uh, you know try and force Briar and you have five Briar drafters or whatever. But we, we saw uh, that. Yeah, I, I don't know why people true. did that. I don't know why people did yeah. that. Was blowing my mind. It was like, it was like a just <laughs> we were all participating in this big joke where like <laughs> no matter how many how many events happened and how much data showed that like just it, an unusual amount of people will try to draft Briar and they will all fail. Uh, everybody just kept doing it. <laughs> I don't know why. It's wild. It's great, right? Yeah. So we have a, a few questions about design and where we'd like to see limited formats go. But first, before that, favorite draft format and favorite seal format, Brennan? Um, favorite draft format? It's really, it's got to be close between Tails and Monarch. I'm not going to count Welcome to Wraith. Um, and I think my favorite sealed format is Welcome to Wraith. But um, yeah, Monarch was really good. You can good. count those. You um, can count those because we're about to talk about design and themes. So you can take those if you like. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to stick with one, right? So we'll, we'll stick with one, make it easy. We'll go favorite draft format is... Oh, Tails? <laughs> favorite sure. sealed format is Welcome to Wraith. All right. Uh, I'm going to say the same, but with the caveat that I think actually the Monarch sealed format is very close. I think it's very good. Um, it's actually, do you know what? It's super interesting. I remember, like, the first, like, sort of sealed games we were playing, that format is just so, so interesting, and yeah, I might actually say that Monarch is more interesting, so just to be different. All right, mm -hmm. so we know we're going to have one limited set this year. Where should LSS go with it? What? Let's start with what are some of the previous, I guess, things from previous sets that you would like to see them keep or get rid of? So, you know, three heroes versus four heroes, uh, talents. How would you like to see them keep or use things from previous sets, equipment even, like the, you know, defenseless versus yeah, yeah. defendable equipment? Yeah, yeah, so that great point, by the way. Um, so three heroes, I actually think it worked out. Is it strictly better? Maybe. Um, I, I don't know if, if I like the jury's out for me on like if I like a three hero format more than a four hero format. Um, talents, I don't think talents are going away. I think the talents are going to be in every set. I think that that is just flesh and blood now. Um, equipment is really important because I remember someone came up to me and they criticized us because we didn't give like runaways an a in our limited review or like an s and i was like 
yeah. <laughs> He's like, but that's because it doesn't compete with anything, right? Like those lim the limit, like the item, the equipments in Tales of Fire are just bombs because they're permanent to stay on the battlefield, and you should probably be first picking equipment most of the time. Um, but like Runaways, in comparison to the other equipment, like Deep Blue and Plume of Evergrowth, wasn't as powerful in my opinion. So I would like to see more diversity with the armor, right? Because um, in Tales of Fire, particularly, the armor was very strong. Like it was kind of night and day between the people that that had the full suite and the people that didn't or the people that had the the particularly powerful ones like the deep blues and the plumes uh marker lightnings things like this so i would like to see yeah more uh more diversity in armor and options or maybe make them a little less powerful weapons and equipment is important i think a no weapon format sucks <laughs> that's just my retrospective on tales of aria i know Viscerai had it, but that also led to a bad sealed format in my opinion Viscerai having the weapon nobody else really having it um Wind conditions, I love this. This is this is an awesome thing to talk about because this is this is peak monarch for me, right? Like monarch was just very much not about trying to just kill your opponent, right? It was about having a game plan, knowing how you're going to win the game, and playing towards that. And you had to do that even in the prism decks. Definitely doing the shadow decks. It was literally a prerequisite to play shadow. Um, but that made uh, monarch one of my favorite set, my favorite uh, sealed formats because you could like you could just craft these. These, um, these, I don't know, what would you call them? I would call them like beautiful, <laughs> beautiful game plans. Um, and it worked out really well. Like you got rewarded for it. I also think that Monarch was like pivot turns are really important. Um, Tales of Aria a bit less so, but Monarch, you could really get the read on when your opponent was trying to pivot on you and apply more pressure than you usually would, maybe forego your arsenal and just totally blow them out. So I loved Monarch for that reason. I think when, like being able to develop win conditions and having this sort of, um, tangible sense of tempo is really nice where in tales of aria is a bit vomit my hand at my opponent um and sealed which i didn't like as much and yeah i mean <laughs> i know i kind of just went on a ramp but those are a few things yeah you just kind of <laughs> let's dive into some of those let's start with Amphistol. you know i think i agree with you on the the kind of idea of like pivot turns being so much a monarch and, and being able to identify those and you know some of us did a bit of than others right Brennan? Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. No, but I think so. You you talked about the importance of understanding where your opponent is in a game and where you are in a game, and I think that mattered a lot less in Tales of Aria. I would like to see that move shift back to what we saw a bit more with Monarch in terms of certain phases of the game mattering more. Uh, whereas Tales of Aria, it felt more about who can grab the tempo and keep the tempo. Whereas Monarch, it was a bit more around um, giving up some to shift some to set up certain hands. Uh, you had a lot more cards that maybe two or three cards that you wanted to pull together to set up those kind of things. Bolton very much was that sort of thing. The Shadow Heroes are maybe more about, you know, second cycle for doing that, but we're still looking to do the same thing. And even Prism to a degree wanted to do that with, okay, well, I want to try and get a shield at the end of my opponent's turn and then maybe a shield on my turn so that I now have like this kind of advantage that I can push. So, you know, this kind of ebb and flow, which I'd love to see us get back to. Um, equipment, it's interesting you talk about equipment. I want to go back to that one because mm -hmm. I, I have a bit of a, different take on Tales of Aria, and this is this is so cool it's still even contingent i think in Tales of Aria, and we're what we're now seven months removed from that limited format sort of kicking off or at least six months for the peak of it um is that i actually think that equipment was yes very strong but they purposely pulled back the the fact that there was defenseless equipment right to try and encourage people to understand that equipment isn't all about defending it's about yeah. utility and understanding it but I also think that in the limited format, I wasn't—I'm not as high on those as maybe say you or some other you know prominent players were. 
I think they're important. I think they're hugely important. I think they're really strong. But there were certain cards that I think you you needed to have in in your deck, and it was more about, especially in draft. I agree with you on sealed. I think it's sealed. There wasn't like you say a bit of night and day between people who had maybe say a full set of equipment and people who had like one or none. Um, but in the the draft format, I think it was less impactful, and it was about trying to understand how you would pull together your strategies. And sometimes you have to give up equipment to do that, uh, which is quite interesting. So I would like to see them keep that, but maybe come back with some defensive equipment. I would like to see some defensive equipment come yeah. back into some limits. And I think they will. I think they will. I think that was pretty clearly a design with Tales Vary was to educate people on the use of, of equipment. Yeah. Can I take us down a trip down, uh, go on, go on. down memory lane for, t- for Tales of Aria Sealed? You open your packs, you're like squeaking across, like, what am I going to get? Great commons. I got the overflex calls. And then there's your equipment slot. And Three amulets. There's, a, there's an imposter sitting in there. It's a freaking amulet. Like, God, that was tilting. <laughs> like, that sucked. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't yeah. like that. I think the amulets, amulets went strong enough to justify that decision, I think. That's the one the one thing I do have a, a bit of an issue with, I would like to see them. If they get, I don't mind that idea of using the equipment slot for something else, but I think it needs to be a bit more in line with how strong equipment were, and that's it <laughs> for it to work. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, anything else that you said that I want to kind of comment on? I, I guess maybe some of my own my own thoughts. Uh, so yeah, equipment is something interesting. I'd really like to see them use. Um, I would be interested to see if there's a way to make equipment even more... I guess um, situational, but not necessarily to specific heroes, but maybe to specific plans. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, we saw Mark of Lightning, right, which is really powerful in basically all the Lightning decks. But rather than it be a talented piece of equipment, what if it's a generic piece of equipment that can be utilized really effectively by certain decks? So, you saw this on the kind of defensive standpoint with Runaways, really terrible into old time, right? But really, really strong into. Briar and Lexi because of the, the the claws. So could we see that on the offensive side? Could we see something that is uh, offensive in nature or proactive in nature uh, that fits into certain strategies, but is generic? So maybe you're drafting a certain deck or you've got a certain sort of deck and seal that it doesn't work in with as much, but then there's others where it works in with. But that's something I would like to see from from the equipment side moving forward. I think I think it's a, a cool design aspect to to dive into. Yeah, I think the one thing I want you to dive into is. Uh... Like what I talked about with Monarch sealed gameplay versus uh, versus Tales of Aria sealed gameplay. Like Monarch, very game plan oriented. Um, like you, you had to kind of know how you were going to win the game, and also pivot turns, right? Like what we would call like mm-hmm. probably this is a definition of tempo, right? Like there was a lot of tempo in that uh, in that format, and I think that Tales of Aria was just different. I think Tales of Aria sealed was more kind of just like the you know like. You're just kind of dumping your cards. You're playing the five card hands. Whereas in you know Monarch, I just felt like everything was so. There's a lot of game context into so many of your decisions. Yeah, there there is. I think Tales does have some redeeming qualities in the fact that you sometimes you can take the front foot and with good game management you can keep that and even mm-hmm. start to use your life as more of a resource. In Monarch, it felt like it was really tough to do. It felt like you had to really kind of swing the tempo with a specific hand to necessarily do that in some game states, which was. I think a little bit less enjoyable in some situations, but I think if I was to put it on a scale, right, I want like maybe 80 or 90% of the game experience and the kind of fundamentals from Monarch sealed and maybe like 10 or 20% of the Tales of Aria, if that makes sense. So that's probably what I would like to see move forward because I do agree with you to, to a certain extent with that format. I think Monarch, the way that you had to 
understand the 40 cards in your sorry 40 the 30 cards in your deck and what you're trying to do with those 30 cards over the course of you know an early game a mid game and a late game and how you want to pitch those how you want to use them how you want to defend with them oh i've defended with this card well that's actually a really important card out of my deck mm. now i think i want to see that return uh but also i would love to see a few things of tails kept just in terms of the maybe some of the power level of of certain cards or the ability to sometimes be able to take the front foot and through game management be able to keep that yeah i feel like tails is probably tails is really the only format where there were some majestics that i just hated to see like they just pissed me off when they got played like awakening um oak and old and uh there's definitely another somewhere i don't know if it's blossoming spell but mostly like channel Mount heroic like that one's pretty tilting as well but like awakening pivot turn on a stick just ridiculous oak and old a bit easier <laughs> to, to get off and limited than you think um you just throw it in arsenal and wait for the double fuse um and then yeah channel Mount heroic was just not super fun to sit on the other board, the other side of the board from when you're playing against a Briar. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, at least at least in Monarch, those were at the rare level, right? You know, soul reaping. <laughs> soul reaping. Yeah, I mean, with soul reaping, you know, you you do balance banishing, of course, but via the Vanguard was a freaking baloney sandwich. I I did think that via the Vanguard didn't instantly end the game, but uh, yeah, that was a pushed rare for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it was very very good. Yeah. All right, Brendan. Well, I guess that's a little bit about some of the things we'd like to see kept. Let's close it out limited with a bit of you know, a bit of fun fun just from if we're theory crafting we've got the keys to the kingdom you know we get to decide we get to design this next limited separate menu mm. the, the themes talents uh what's the hero count we want to see what about weapons and equipment you kind of talked about that already you want to see fixed weapons rather than you know like active weapons that have combat value primarily um Win conditions, what what are some things that you want to see? Let's start with like themes and talents. Would you like to see us revisit something from the existing themes and talents or would you like to see something new yeah. completely? So yeah, I mean with weapons I'm I might have not heard you correct. With weapons I, I do want some I do want every hero to have a weapon that does damage. Um Lexi was interesting because the like that weapon force dominate, which is kind of inherently anti-fatigue, but uh, yeah, I just think that weapons are really healthy in a limited format, especially in the sealed portion, because I think that sealed like mm -hmm. fatigue decks are just like they instantly ruin the format. It's terrible. If it's even like fifty percent playable, it's just so bad. <laughs> like things that go out there and just try to not interact and put forty cards in their deck. Um, but we haven't seen that since Arcane Rising. In terms of armor, it's like a diversity of armor. I just feel like the armor was. Uh, you know, like all the armor is just kind of S tier in Tales of Aria. Like I said, like you said, we kind of disagree on that one. But I didn't feel like that in other formats. Well, I, I always, I mean, every format in Flesh and Blood, armor has been good. But in Tales, I feel like it really shined. Um, three heroes or four heroes? Good question. <laughs> That's a tough one. I like because the Tales drafting experience was so good. I think that three heroes is is fine, right? Like I think it's three heroes is good. Um, and I liked it, so maybe we just never go back to four. I just feel like I'm not sure that I'm sold on my like my answer there yet. I, I haven't played like Tails and then gone back and played Monarch, you know? Yeah, it's so interesting. Do you know it's funny? I James White, I don't know if he let something slip, but in the this Covenant cast I was listening to, he was talking about designing a set. And he was saying and he could just be specifically referring to Tails Vary Rap, but he didn't specifically say it. And then he said, you know, when we're putting a set together, maybe we have two heroes that we really want to because they fit the thing, they're the ones we want, and then we find a third hero to fit into it. And that was the example he used. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's really interesting. How many three-hero sets they're looking at? I wouldn't be surprised if we saw 
you know, mostly three hero sets moving forward. I would be very surprised if we see exclusively three hero sets, and I'd be very surprised if we see no more three hero sets. So I think three to four heroes, it's either. I'm I'm okay with either. I think if I'm going back, let's uh let's go, let's keep with the three hero set this time around. Let's let's mm. dive, dive into it a bit more if that's how the talents work. I'm I'm keen to see that. I have one for you though that I wanna wanna throw around. You just talked about equipment and you want them to have I actually think, by the way, Shiver, I think is one of the most balanced pieces of equipment for limited. Um, mm-hmm. I think that like token equipment does a really good job. Yeah, it does a really good job of that. What about common or rare weapons? Not a tokens. This um, is something that I would like to see explored for limited in the future. Yeah, it could be cool. Uh, I'm trying to think because like they've always been at a very high rarity that you saw them. I agree. Uh, not often. So, so I would, I, I would like to see them because because I mean you look at Monarch for instance, right? If you got Hexagor. You know, except for the time that you played against it, it was broken. <laughs> it's not really a weapon that you're, that you're wanting to play, right? Even you look at like Voltaire and Oss, it was whatever. I mean, the Ice Hammer was really, really strong. But why can't, can we find somewhere where they get to use this design space for maybe Blitz as well, but then couple it with maybe some really specific weapons that you can use in certain yeah. archetypes and limited. Could yeah. be a bit, bit niche and a bit deep, but I would really like to see that happen. I think that could take the place of equipment, for instance, um, and could be something they could dive into. Yeah, something that lets you just change up your style of play, not just like a strict power upgrade um, that plays into yeah. the same archetype. Like, I think that could be really cool. Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, not, not an upgrade, like you say, like a sideways movement as opposed to an upward movement. Like, for instance, hey, Talishar's in this set, and I've drafted this Ranger deck, which, yeah, mm. it, it, you know, or maybe Ranger's a bad example because of the arrows, but I've drafted this Kano or Wizard deck or whatever, but I've drafted more attack actions, and I've got Talishar rather than my other weapon or whatever it is yeah no i think that could be really cool like i mean i particularly see it as in like uh like look at like welcome to wraith what if axes were the default in dorentia and you could open dawn blade maybe it'd be too powerful <laughs> because there's like a bunch of single weapon pumps i think and dawn blade has the counters but like i think that's kind of what i see it as like as close as i can get my mind to it but ideally most mostly side grade there is one thing i left off in um that Honestly, if they don't put this in the next limited set, I think I think I'm done. Do you know what it is? Go. You know what it is? Uh, is it the revealed crack bubble? No, it's another rune Oof. blade. We need another rune oh, blade. Yeah, they better not stop printing those. At rune blades every set. I know. I everybody's 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 on the same page. This is what everybody wants. Listen to us, legend story. We just want more rune blades. Can I be con- contrary and say um, maybe I don't want a rune blade? Maybe I want like. I, I do you know why actually I would love to see if we're going to do a four hero set I would love to see two welcome wraith classes and two arcane rising classes I think that's what I'd love to see that's, I think that's uh, I, like to see. I think 99% of the fl- the fab player base does not want there to be another room play in this limit like people would lose <laughs> their mind could you imagine <laughs> three times in a row every single time they printed it too it's been broken so it's like got this last room play. that'd be wild well, at least Least limited focus. I, I guess you know it's not as bad. The the last thing I'd say is I would like to see. Um, I would probably like us to see if not in the next set, then the set after a return to a light and shadow, and to mm. reinvestigate those. I think they're really interested for limited play, uh, especially yeah. especially shadow. To be honest, I think shadow is really interested for limited play, um, just because of you know the way you can set up game states and like you talk about win conditions. I think that should be really important to any limited format. So. Yeah, I think that's something that I would like to see if I'm sort of wrapping up my uh, my design of the next set. Yeah, I would like to know in the comments if anybody else 
has heard this because I might just be making it up, but I feel like somewhere I heard that they're actually not. Sound like you? No, they're not. <laughs> they're not revisiting like the talents. They don't really have plans to like kind of go back. Not that they won't ever, but like definitely not for a long time. Like it's not part of the sort of original design philosophy. Um, but please let me know if anybody else has heard that. <laughs> no, I haven't heard that, but interesting. Anyway, Brendan, this limited format, uh, I think we're both really keen to see where it goes next. We're both big limited lovers, of course. This podcast is almost a limited podcast. Um, we would like to see it be important. I'm excited to see what we get with Uprising and, and especially what they do with OP, I think, in regards to limited. Hopefully, just in general, it's just a well-designed set and limited play, both sealed and draft is fun and exciting, but also then we also get the OP to support that. That's kind of my view as we close this out. I'm congruent with that. Um, I think we have similar uh, similar fondness for limited and flesh and blood. Yep. All right. Well, on to, on to my favorite review. part. Yeah, my favorite part of the podcast, which is the review. So we have a Google review here. Oh, I don't know if it's Google, actually. It's just a review from John Franey, who actually won one of the the play map that I did a giveaway for on my Twitter. And he said, this podcast features the glorious union of the top of the top of the world and the very bottom hailing from North America and Oceania. We hear weekly, weekly wisdom from the world's shortest formerly blonde fab player. I don't know who he's referencing and somebody who's actually won something. <laughs> okay. Most recently we heard, uh, we heard the shower thoughts of a man as he pours body wash on his hand. Yep. <laughs> we also heard a man's audio keep cutting out because he can't leave his effing mic alone. Yeah, and you really got to work on that. There truly is no better place to get all things flesh and blood. Well, John, you certainly were dunking on one part of the one half of this podcast, um, but it's okay. We can make fun of Hayden every now and then. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for the view, Hayden. If they want to submit a review to rival John's review, where do they do it? You just need to go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Arsenal Pass. Probably just chuck into Google, rate this podcast, Arsenal Pass, and it'll, it'll come up for you. You can get your review in. <clears throat> yep, funny, uh, funny is better. Funny is better. That is what Brendan likes, especially apparently ones that dunk on uh, Brendan. What? What, right. are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Closing out this week's pod, just want to say, of course, as always, a massive thank you to all of our patrons. I uh, think if you support ongoing support and allow us to what, uh, do what we do, we do have a couple of Patreon exclusive things coming for the end of the month podcast as per usual. And uh, we haven't talked about what we'll do. Otherwise, we might look at another review or we might do something a little bit different this month. So leave it to me and Brendan to talk about. Otherwise, we're both on Twitter. Brendan is at Brendan ABG and I'm at FBN underscore Dale. Come and chat to us, talk all things fab. We post, you know, decks that we play. We... And Brennan talks about Brennan just mostly throws out spicy questions to be honest about the future of flesh and blood and uh, announcements which it's, usually get quite a lot of comments it's called engagement farming sir please uh, no I'm kidding I no actually like I, I do enjoy a lot of the I yeah we talk a lot of shit on there I'm not gonna lie <laughs> um, otherwise until next week Brendan I'll uh hopefully i'll actually see you next week <laughs> yeah well let me know i we, let us know what you think of the new intro style i think it's going to be way better um we're ditching we're ditching the old 2021 arsenal pass and you know we're born anew here with these uh these natural free free-flowing irreverent intros um and i'm all for it just in time for easter <laughs> just in time